Welcome to the Thrive Alcohol Recovery Podcast, where we share tips, information, and success stories about a revolutionary treatment for alcohol use disorder called the Sinclair Method, or TSM. TSM can help most people reduce rather than abstain from alcohol by addressing the root cause of problem drinking, which is inside the brain. I'm your host, Katie Lane, Sinclair Method success story and co-founder of Thrive Alcohol Recovery, where we help you find freedom from problem drinking using this approach so that you can live your best life. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey guys, it's Katie. So today I wanted to share with you all the number one thing that I wish that I would have known when I was starting on the Sinclair Method because it kind of caught me off guard. And I've actually had people reach out to me through email and in comments recently, kind of sharing the similar experience who are in the middle of the Sinclair Method or they're considering starting it and they're having um, this same issue or challenge that um, I had as well while I was on the method. And what I want to share with you today is regarding the number one thing that I wish that I would have better known or better understood as I started on the Sinclair Method. So that number one thing is that as we go on this method, we really have to redefine and change our relationship with alcohol at its core. And what I mean by that is that through this method, we are no longer, if we're really changing our relationship with alcohol, we're no longer going to be turning to alcohol as a coping tool. We're no longer going to be turning to alcohol to turn off our brain and numb out. Uh, We're no longer going to be turning to it to get drunk anymore. You know, Um, even if we want to keep alcohol in our lives, we really have to redefine our relationship to it so that we're not, um, you know, looking to it as a coping tool anymore and really, you know, have it in its proper place so that perhaps it's just something we enjoy, enjoy on special occasion or, um, you know, in moderation. And I think this is honestly a really difficult part for people on the Sinclair Method because, you know, part of changing our relationship with alcohol at its core really has to do with changing our identity and how we relate with alcohol. And just an example from me, I remember, and I've heard other people say this too, um, I went through like a mourning period on the Sinclair Method where I realized like, oh my gosh, I can't, Uh, keep turning to alcohol in the same way because about six months in, I was still using alcohol as a coping tool pretty regularly um, and still drinking, you know, my drinking was way down, but I was still drinking more than I wanted to um, on occasion. And I had this like aha moment where I was like, I'm going to have to really you know, change how how I relate to alcohol and with regards to changing my identity with it. Like I no longer want to be a person who turns to alcohol just to escape or numb out anymore. Um, I wanted to keep alcohol in my life at that point. I'm sober now, but I never meant to go sober. But at that point, I wanted to keep drinking, but I no longer wanted to be that person who felt like I needed wine whenever I had a stressful day or I needed wine when something difficult happened in life. And that's what I mean, because when people don't have alcohol problems, you know, typically they're not using alcohol as a coping tool or in an unhealthy way. Typically, you know, in my mind, my ideal relationship with alcohol was someone who, you know, drank with meals or drank out with friends and enjoyed it in moderation with one or two. But I wasn't that person who raced home and opened a bottle when I had a stressful day at work. You know, I wanted to have different ways and different coping tools to deal with that. And so I think that's something I honestly... I couldn't even conceive that that would be something that I'd have to do as I was going on the Sinclair Method. I really went on it just to simply drink less alcohol and and feel like I had more control. But we're going to, what I see happen with people and what happened with me is we're going to hit a 
a plateau at some point on the Sinclair method, if we're not really changing our identity and redefining our relationship with alcohol. And I see this happen, you know, I've talked with clients and stuff, and what I've seen is that they'll start on the Sinclair method, they'll see a pretty significant reduction in their drinking, and they'll feel pretty good about where they're at, but they recognize that they're still at a plateau and they're still drinking as a way to cope with boredom or stress or tough emotions or whatever it is. And so that's that point on the Sinclair method where we're kind of at a crossroads and we have to decide, you know, are we going to kind of keep doing what we've, we've always done and keep using alcohol as this coping tool or are we going to try to find different ways to cope so that we can further break out of this cycle and this trap of alcohol use disorder and get to a place where we have, you know, healthier coping tools, where we've really redefined our relationship with alcohol and we're no longer leaning on it in that way anymore. And this is honestly a process that really does take time. Um, it takes consistent effort with trying new things. What worked for me was, um, you know, I would just try to, without even trying to force alcohol free days, I would just try to interrupt my current drinking patterns. And so, you know, if I was, um, had a stressful, I was drinking a lot at that time due to uh, the stress at my work. Like that was my primary coping tool, um, was to deal with my work. And so, um, what I started to do instead, you know, I'd want to come home and just have the wine and, you know, kick back, relax, turn off my brain. That was like the default mode for me. That was the easy thing to do because I'd been doing that for so long. But what was more difficult was to think, okay, what other ways can I, you know, use to cope or what other like strategies can I use to deal with this stressful day? Because as we all know, life is going to throw us stressful or difficult things. And it's like, for me, I no longer wanted to be that person that had a crutch in order to cope, which was alcohol. I wanted to be someone who had healthy coping tools. And so I just started with trying different things before I started drinking. So I would take a hot bath or exercise or go get a massage or just watch some funny videos or just do something else that I thought like, you know, just like thinking in my mind, okay, this might be something somebody else would do who doesn't have a drinking problem to cope with a stressful day. I really had to think about it from like an objective perspective because I had really little subjective experience with regards to these healthier coping tools. And so I would just like think like big picture, like, well, what does my husband do? He doesn't have a drinking problem. How does he cope with stressful time? And in fact, I remember when he and I first uh, started dating, he specifically told me he never drinks when he's upset. And I was like, isn't that the perfect time to drink? Like, really? Um, but so I, that that's kind of how I approached it was like, okay, well, what do other people who doesn't who don't have an alcohol problem? How do they deal with life stress event or stressful life events? And so it was more about me just interrupting my current routine. It wasn't necessarily like, okay, I'm not going to drink today. It's like, let me try this first, even if it's only for 15 minutes, and then I'll take my naltrexone and allow myself to drink. And this is what we talk about a lot in our thrive program with people is like these small goals that are helping you interrupt the cycle that you're in um, and really to do it with consistency. It doesn't have to be this major change, but what can you do consistently, you know, most of the time that's helping you to interrupt the current pattern that you're in um, and try new ways, try new tools to cope. And it all really first starts too with the awareness of it as well. You know, if we're, if we're kind of playing out these habits, but we're not super aware of why we're doing it, um, the first step for some people might be be just start paying closer attention, like observing yourself drinking out of habit and what that looks like and how you feel and how's it playing out and what triggers it and all of that. But all this to say, you know, I did just want to make this video to talk about the um, kind of surprise, I guess, challenge that came up for me as I was on this method. And it was just like, 
recognizing that um, I would have to really redefine my relationship with alcohol and change my identity around alcohol and really um, my beliefs and things that I had around it. Uh, one of the courses we have actually, it talks about changing your beliefs about alcohol because this was a big one for me and I see this with others as well. Um, our beliefs that we have really shape our identity and these are the things that can actually be super sneaky and maybe we're not aware of. You know, some of mine were, you know, I'm a wine lover. I love to go wine tasting or I love to open up a bottle of wine in the evening or I can't imagine not drinking on a Friday night or uh, I can't imagine going to France or Italy and not having wine there. Like these all seem like innocent beliefs really, but um really what they're doing is they're shaping our identity and our behaviors. And so it's super important that we kind of dig into those things and really start to question them and flip them around. You know, if you identify like I did as someone who just loves wine and has to have wine every Friday night, like what's the opposite of that? It's like, okay, I don't need to have wine every Friday night. Maybe I can have tea instead. Um, but again, this is really where this change starts to happen is really with the thoughts and the beliefs we have about ourselves, because that's really going to shape our identity and ultimately the actions that we're taking. But I just want to speak to this because I do think it's kind of like a, you know, it's kind of like an ephemeral thing that people experience on the Sinclair Method. It's not a very tangible thing where you can say, oh, this is what's happening. This is why you're stalled on the method. But I think it's more of this, um, you know, experience people go through, especially for those who've hit a plateau on the method, because, um, you know, I think when that happens, we're just still very much wrapped up in our identity as someone who loves and needs alcohol. And it's just kind of playing out despite the fact that maybe we want to drink less or see this change. Um, you know, we're so used to turning to alcohol. That's the easy thing. That's the default mode. Um, and it's more difficult to kind of interrupt those patterns and try different things. And honestly, it's a little bit scary. I had someone comment recently saying that, you know, they're really eager to try this method, but they're really afraid of who they'll be when they no longer have alcohol use disorder. And I, oh my gosh, when I read that, I was like, yes, I know exactly what you feel because um, it really becomes a, a, a really big part of our life. It's like we're in relationship with this alcohol. And even though it's harmful and destructive, uh, it's really hard to kind of break up with that and redefine who we are when that's no longer our crutch or our numbing agent. And so I think these are things that people don't talk about too much in the Sinclair Method community. And I think they're super important. Again, especially for those who you know, been on the method for a while and, you know, maybe you've been super dedicated and they've been year, a year, two years, three years on the method or more, and they're still not quite where they want to be. And it really comes down to this, um, you know, changing who we are as, as it relates to our relationship with alcohol. And there's so much more I could say there too about like, you know, being really excited about the future life that we can have when we have our ideal relationship with alcohol and getting a vision that's super clear in your mind and holding on to that and revisioning it or, or envisioning it every single day and just imagining who you are when you have your ideal relationship with alcohol, what that feels like, what you'll be doing. Um, getting super excited about that because, you know, for so long, I, I know for me, it was like, I could hardly imagine my future because I was just so wrapped up in my alcohol cravings and living for my next drink or recovering from drinking. It was like really hard to get excited about my future because my mind was so preoccupied with drinking. And so it becomes really fun to, to dream about our future and what life looks like when we have our ideal relationship with alcohol. But back to that person, what that person said about, you know, that's a little bit scary. It is a little bit scary. And I think for a lot of us who have struggled with alcohol, you know, I think, you know, not even just a lot of us, I think all of us probably have 
deep-seated dreams and desires that we've kind of just like pushed way down or tried to forget about because we are think, oh, that's not possible or I'm too old or that's never going to happen. And I think it's so important that we allow ourselves to dream again and get super excited about um, you know, who, who we can be and who we can become when we have our ideal relationship with alcohol, because it's such a positive ripple effect when we change our drinking habits. Even if, you know, I've seen people who only drink or they've reduced their drinking by 30% on the Sinclair method. And they're so happy with the changes that they're seeing because it has such a positive impact in so many areas of our lives. And the same is true when we're drinking heavy, drinking heavily, you know, it's going to have all these negative effects. We're going to feel foggy minded and unwell. We're going to be grumpy, you know, gain weight, all of these things. But as we reduce, the opposite is true. And there's just such a positive ripple effect in so many areas of our lives. And there's honestly nothing more fulfilling, I think, than having, uh, you know, this this sense of self-respect. At least for me, what came through the Sinclair Method was really this sense of self-respect and self-reliance that I never had before the Sinclair Method and this ability to really um, have more self-control. And, you know, this was just like, I think like the fruit of, uh, you know, drinking less and going through the Sinclair method. It wasn't something that I started the Sinclair method to really look for, but it was the byproduct of what happened as my brain was fixed and I was unlearning the addiction and just seeing myself turn into a whole new version of myself. Um, but having this sense of self-control and self-respect and self-reliance, like there's nothing better than that. It's such a solid foundation to be on and to ground into. And when we have struggled with alcohol, we're really at the whim of our alcohol dependence like alcohol is really calling all of the the shots and we might feel like we're in control because we're choosing to drink and we want to drink like we want to but um it's really at that point it's you know we're living for our next drink and alcohol is really calling the shots and so as you really start to take your power back um it's just the best feeling in the world and there's so many benefits that come from it especially you know for me it's been five years since i started the sinclair method i'm about four years alcohol free now and it's just like life just continues to get better and better. And of course, there's challenges and difficulties. But what's amazing about the Sinclair method is that thankfully, I've not even thought about like relapsing or using alcohol as a coping tool, because through this method, I was able to learn new coping tools and really um, become a different version of myself. But it took time. It, it does take time. And it does take effort. And it takes that burning desire within you to make that change. Because if you don't want it so deeply and so badly for yourself, then it's going to be, you know, hard to stay motivated because if it's a long-term treatment protocol and it's taking a year on average for most people, some people less, some people more, but that desire and that motivation is going to wane over time. It's going to come and go. And so if we don't have super clear reasons on why we want to make this change and who we're going to be in our future when we have our ideal relationship with alcohol, it's so easy to, in the moment, just give in to our urge or give in to our craving or just, again, go back to the default mode of drinking how we have been for years or decades, as opposed to trying something new that's really casting a vote for our future selves. But, you know, I think just, you know, starting small is the best way to go about it. If you read almost any habit change book, they're all about these like tiny habits. I think there's actually a habit change book called Tiny Habits. Um, but it's all about these tiny habits that you're doing consistently over time. And that's really 
how the Sinclair method can work for you. If you're implementing these small changes over time that are really, you know, uh, casting that vote for your future self and who you want to become and just being consistent with it, it can really help you make the change. Um, I think that's all for this video. Thank you guys so much for watching. I'd love to hear from you in the comments um, if you're experiencing this or what have you have found challenging on the Sinclair method or just how your Sinclair method journey is going um, overall. All right. Uh, talk to you guys later. I also have resources linked in the bio as well. And if you guys want uh, more support for the Sinclair method, as many of you know, um, I've launched Thrive Alcohol Recovery, where we have an entire comprehensive program designed specifically for the Sinclair method to really guide you through it uh, from beginning to end with really everything you will need is in one place. So check that out as well. And I'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Thrive Alcohol Recovery Podcast. For additional Sinclair Method resources and support, please check out the information in our show notes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.